All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Carter Thompson, your host. As always, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We've got the big NFL news that we have been waiting for the rest of this offseason. Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. That domino has finally fallen in the NFL. He has been traded, so we'll get into that on this episode for sure. I remember I wanted to talk about the college football kind of conference realignment and the movement that is happening between teams. I teased that. I didn't tease, but I mean USC and UCLA are going to be a part of the Big Ten Conference in 2024, I believe, is when that will get started. Same as we kind of talked a little bit about it before with Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC starting in either 2024 or 2025 as well. We'll kind of talk about what that means for a lot of these other conferences, the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC, also for Notre Dame, what this means for these new conferences, what it means for some of these teams. I mean, UCLA, USC having to play a team like Rutgers all the way on the East Coast. We'll talk about that as well. And then what it means for also the college football playoffs. This has this isn't just USC, UCLA football joining the Big Ten Conference. This is all athletics at USC, UCLA. So that has big implications for a lot of these sports, not just football. So we'll dive into that as well. No news update on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but I have a final thought on what could possibly be going down with those two as they have requested trades out of Brooklyn. All of that in this episode of the Final Final Podcast over the 50-episode hump. This is episode 51. I'm very excited that we have this Baker Mayfield news to start this episode off with. So let's get right into that. So Baker Mayfield traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers for a 2024 conditional fifth-round pick. That's all Carolina has to give up. And the caveat on top of this for the Carolina Panthers as well, the Cleveland Browns are paying a little over half of Baker Mayfield's contract this next season. They picked up that fifth-year option for him, I believe, maybe before this past season started. So the Browns are paying Baker Mayfield $10.9 million, I believe, of Mayfield's $19 million contract to play for the Panthers. That's how much Cleveland has to pay to ship out Baker Mayfield because of the kind of the mess they made signing Deshaun Watson and, and all of that after they picked up Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option on his rookie contract, being the former number one overall pick back in 2018. So now Baker Mayfield goes to the Carolina Panthers, where he's going to compete with the 2018 third overall pick, Sam Darnold, for the starting spot there. I think this is a great move for the Panthers. They He's not guaranteed the starting spot, but I think he'll be able to beat out Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has... I mean, even we thought maybe he just needed to get out of New York, just needed to stop being a Jet, and maybe he'd have a chance to thrive. Not maybe thrive, but to at least improve. He really didn't show a ton of improvement last year. I mean, the Panthers started 3-0, and and then here they were picking in the top 10, close to top 5 once again in the NFL draft this past season. So I don't think Sam Darnold is going to be the answer, even though they have to pay him a bunch of money this upcoming season as well because they picked up his fifth-year option also. But Baker Mayfield, much more accurate quarterback, better decision-maker as well. I think he's a proven winner, too. He's been to the playoffs. He's actually won a playoff game also with the Cleveland Browns. So I think Baker Mayfield, this is a good spot for him. 
to go where he at least gets to start right away. He doesn't have to be a backup for a year, a.k.a. kind of the, the Jameis Winston route, you know. He had to get him out of Cleveland. This gives him an immediate opportunity to play again, start. Doesn't have. I mean, there was the option of possibly going to Tampa Bay to be the backup quarterback to Tom Brady. I didn't hate that idea. That would have probably been, like, the second best scenario in terms of what he's looking for. Obviously, he wants to start right away. But, I mean, backing up Tom Brady for a year, maybe a year or two, and then being the starting quarterback once he retires and takes that big TV deal that he has isn't a bad backup plan if Baker Mayfield had that option on the table. But here, he's going to the Carolina Panthers. I kind of like this situation, too. He goes. He had nice, decent weapons in Cleveland when they had OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, David Njoku, and Austin Hooper at tight end. He goes... To another spot that has decent weapons on the offensive side, Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy, is one of the best running backs in football. DJ Moore, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the game of football. I believe he's like top 10, close to top 5 in receiving yards of the past, what is it, 5 seasons or something like that? He's definitely in the top 10, close to top 5 in receiving yards the past 5 seasons total. And he just gets underrated every year, so DJ Moore is a really nice receiver. Robbie Anderson... Now, I know that those two might have <laughs> might have some awkward moments in the locker room to begin the season, but they'll get past them. Robbie Anderson <laughs> said, I believe, at the beginning of this offseason of, what do you think about trading for Baker Mayfield? And he just flat out said no, <laughs> that he didn't want it to happen. And I believe some follow-up questions were asked in terms of he was saying, I'm just defending the quarterback that we have here now, which I have no problem with if that's the case. If he actually doesn't like Baker Mayfield, could be awkward. If he was just defending... Standing up for the quarterback and Sam Darnold that was already there. Absolutely love that then from Robbie Anderson. Either way, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson there for Baker Mayfield, along with Matt Rule as the offensive coach. He's on the hot seat, so you know he's going to at least try to bring his A game. We're not, we're not sure what his A game necessarily is as a coach. But you've got two guys fighting for their jobs in the NFL and Baker Mayfield and Matt Rule. So it could be worse. I mean... I don't know. I mean, Seattle would be nice when you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You don't know what your running back situation is, and that's a rebuilding offensive line. I know they just drafted a bunch of young guys, but like I said, those are rookies. Those guys are going to be learning on the job possibly in their first season. We'll see what he can do in Carolina. The Also, the other great thing about him going to Carolina, you can't write this any better in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers play none other than the Cleveland Browns in week one of the 2022 NFL season. I mean, are you kidding me? You get Russell Wilson at the Seattle Seahawks week one, Sunday night football. The NFL's got all these great opening week games. You got Bills and Rams. You got all these great opening week games. Ah, they're like, ah, oh, we, we need a throwaway game. We'll do Browns-Panthers week one. We'll, that'll be a throwaway. Nope, going to be a highlight for week one with the Browns. And the Panthers, not necessarily the best football, especially since Deshaun Watson probably won't be playing, but it'll be a hell of a storyline with Baker Mayfield if he gets the starting nod for week one against his former team right out the bat. I love it. Um, on the Cleveland side of this, I mean, this had to be done, but the way they handled this with the Baker Mayfield and how they gave Deshaun Watson, of all people, right? I mean, kind of sickening. The first NFL fully guaranteed deal was pretty embarrassing for this organization. 
we'll see. I mean, they, they're, they're paying a guy almost $11 million to not play for the team. They're going to be paying Deshaun Watson another $45 million to not play this upcoming season, basically. It's almost like $55 million for a quarterback that's not going to take a snap. Not great for Cleveland. They're obviously banking on once Deshaun Watson starts throwing touchdowns for our team again that everybody will forget about what the past is for him. So that's what they're kind of just banking on at this point. Also, I, I, I forgot to mention this for the Panthers. What this? I don't think this Baker Mayfield being the starting quarterback all of a sudden throws them to the top of their division. They have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't even think it puts them in the playoff conversation. I think it puts them ahead of the Atlanta Falcons in their division. I don't think they finish last with Baker. I think it puts them... It puts them close to the New Orleans Saints. I like New Orleans' roster a lot better, especially their defense. Head coach Dennis Allen, one of the one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL last year, usually has a top 10 unit on defense. Now the head coach in New Orleans, I think he's going to have his defense ready. It's all going to depend on what Jameis Winston does with that offense. They got some weapons on that offense in New Orleans in terms of Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, who they just drafted. They've got Jarvis Landry in that building as well. That team will go as far as Jameis Winston takes them, so they have more potential. I think with Baker and the Carolina Panthers, they'll be competitive in weeks. I think I see their record finishing around maybe 16, or I'm sorry, 6 and 11 in this new 18 game season with 17 games. 6 and 11, maybe 7 and 10. I could see them finishing around 7-10 and 10 seems pretty reasonable for the Carolina Panthers with Baker Mayfield, which would then, I mean, with Baker, if, I mean, say Christian McCaffrey's out for a couple weeks or something like that and Baker Mayfield's still able to perform well, that'll give Baker a good chance to go into free agency next year and find a team to go and be the starting quarterback of for a considerable number of years. So we'll see how that all plays out for them. But I like this for Carolina. Cleveland, this is something that they had to do. Carolina kind of just ran the clock out on them. It sounds like as well, Carolina was the only team that was interested. It didn't sound like Seattle was a team that wanted to do this or Atlanta was a team that wanted to do this. Some of those teams that really don't have a young quarterback that they're building around right now that are kind of just in between stages at quarterback. It looks like Carolina was the only team that was looking to do this. So I like this for Carolina. I hope Baker Mayfield does well this upcoming season. We'll see how it works out for them. Cleveland just, I don't know, they, they dug themselves a hole with this whole Deshaun Watson thing. We'll see how it uh, eventually pans out for them. The last thing, I don't think this domino is going to fall, though, in the NFL before this upcoming season starts, is will Jimmy G be traded this offseason. It's looking more and more unlikely. Remember, he had a shoulder, a shoulder surgery, excuse me, shoulder surgery at the beginning of the offseason that was going to knock him out for like 15 weeks, I believe it said. So right up until maybe the end of training camp was when he was going to be able to start throwing again. So teams weren't necessarily going to trade for that. Jimmy G's not a guy that teams are trading for for the future. He might be the NFL's best bridge quarterback at this point where he can come in and he can still be a competent quarterback, win you games. I mean, he was a quarterback in the Super Bowl just three and a half, almost four years ago now. So he's the kind of guy now that is going to be the the NFL's best bridge quarterback. He can be your starter for two years if you need to wait to get a young quarterback. This is what Jimmy Garoppolo, 
Jared Goff are going to start to turn into for the NFL. They're going to be bridge quarterbacks, it sounds like to me, from now on. I don't think Jimmy G gets traded this offseason because of that shoulder surgery, and I'm not even sure if he's going to start. Trey Lance is going to be taking all the reps. I think Trey Lance is going to be the starter for the 49ers. Jimmy G is just going to be the NFL's best backup this upcoming season, so I don't think that domino of Jimmy G will fall this NFL offseason. But, ooh, we were waiting for this one with Baker Mayfield. I like his chances in Carolina to show what he can still do. He's a winning quarterback. I'm excited for him in Carolina. All right, let's move on to the NCAA conference movement. This has been going, I mean, there are so many different ways that this could all fall. No, I don't know. I'm not necessarily sure fall apart, realign. I don't know what the correct term is here, but just a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago now, USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten Conference in 2024. This comes almost a year after Oklahoma and Texas plan on joining the SEC in 2024. So we've got two big powerhouses of kind of these smaller conferences moving to powerhouse conferences in the SEC and the Big Ten. I mean, there's a lot of questions that that are on a lot of fans' minds, I think. What does this mean for the future of the NCAA, for the conferences that have been built in the NCAA, the Power Five conferences more precisely? Is this good? for the NCAA and for college football per se, let's say. My first thought is, if you look at, I mean, if you haven't seen some of these maps of where USC, UCLA are, and then compare them to the Big Ten, it's absolutely hilarious. It is going to be an absolute scheduling nightmare for some of these teams that now have to go across the country to play. UCLA to Rutgers, that's going to be probably a six-hour, almost a seven-hour flight just one way. How do you schedule... When say it comes to basketball and you're playing two games a week, they're not going to spend 14 hours of that in the air. These athletes are just going to be, who knows what's going to happen to their bodies trying to be on a plane. Yes, I know they're private planes, but still 17 hours or 14 hours in a plane is still not great. So, I mean, these guys are going to have to schedule two games, Rutgers again, and then again against Ohio State, Maryland, Rutgers in Maryland. It's just going to be a scheduling nightmare for some of these other sports. Now, football is different because they obviously only play once a week. But, wow, this is, going to, this is going to be very interesting for sure. What this also looks like is we're headed towards two super conferences in the Big Ten and the SEC. And it's just a matter of time before more changes are made with the Pac-12 conference, the Big 12 conference, excuse me, and eventually the ACC conference. The thing that really complicates this is the TV deals and the the kind of rights and grants of rights agreements that these teams have made with the conference. So, for example, the ACC has tied down all of its members of the conference with TV deals until 2036. That's how long their TV deal, I believe it's with ESPN, goes up until until they need to renegotiate a new TV deal, meaning... These teams aren't moving anytime soon. Clemson, Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, I believe North Carolina, and Duke, especially when it comes to basketball. you got to think of this outside of just football as well. Remember, it's not just football teams moving into conferences. This is your basketball team, your volleyball team, your hockey teams, your baseball teams. All of these teams are also going into these other conferences. we got to expand wider than just football here. 
back to the ACC, you got teams like Clemson, Florida State, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Those teams probably aren't leaving the ACC anytime soon. And in when we're saying anytime soon now, which means I don't think they're at least announcing that they're leaving their conference for at least four to five years, probably. And then it takes, like we've seen USC, UCLA, it's going to take at least another two years till they're actually in the conference. So you'll see the ACC still be together, but you'll see SEC, Big Ten, they're going to start gunning for some of these teams, I feel like. The next big domino to fall for a team is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is one of those teams that's just kind of all over. I mean, football, they don't even have a conference. Big Ten is looking to add them. I'm sure the SEC is looking to add them as well. Once their decision is made, that might then help some of these other dominoes in terms of what does the Pac-12 and the Big 12 do. The Big 12, they have already lost Oklahoma and Texas. It doesn't look like they're going to lose any more members right now because the Big 10 and the the SEC don't want any more members from their conference. So their conference might be safe in that sense because they don't have any other major teams in terms of history of the program, in terms of allure to like nighttime or primetime games. I mean, nobody's looking – like when you see Texas versus Oklahoma, that's a big-time game that you're looking at. When we, when we, Whenever you see Texas on the schedule, that's always a TV – that's always a prime-time game that people want to watch. Nobody's looking for Texas Tech. I mean, Baylor is a really good team, but it, it, it compares nowhere near to what Texas and Oklahoma draw in. Same with USC and UCLA. When you, even, it, even when USC is bad, USC is a national brand. That's the kind of team that you want in your conference. Big 12 doesn't necessarily have those remaining when you have a Texas or an Oklahoma already gone. If Baylor's bad, nobody really cares. When USC is bad, people are still talking about why USC is bad this season. When USC is good, it's the talk of college football. You know, that's the kind of draw that some of these big teams have. Big 12 doesn't necessarily have any more of those, which is why it looks like maybe, maybe, their conference is safe right now in terms of no more changes are coming for a little while. Big 12 can also offer some non-Power 5 schools an opportunity to join their conference if they if they want to expand their conference a little bit as well to kind of secure their conference even more as standing in the college ranks, whether it's college football, college basketball, what be it. Pac-12, ACC on a little bit of shakier ground. ACC on very shaky ground because they have some big-time schools that either the Big Ten or the SEC are going to be looking to poach. Like I said, Clemson, Florida State, Duke, North Carolina. Those are big-time. I mean, Duke, North Carolina for football. I'm sorry, for basketball especially. So that, that conference is a little on shakier ground. Like I said, they have the TV and the conference itself, the ACC deals that have them supposedly tied down until 2036. We'll see how long that actually <laughs> until like some of these teams pay some of these TV fees or whatnot to get to a different conference because the Big Ten and the SEC, they're going to soon, I'm, I would assume, they're going to renegotiate their TV deals with the Fox, with the ESPN, with the CBS, these are going to be massive deals. 
where I believe each school right now for the Big Ten or the maybe it was the SEC is pulling in $54 million annually just from the TV deals. Whereas I believe the ACC is around $35 million annually. So if it costs, say, $100 plus million to as an exit fee to exit your conference and because of the TV deals, some of these schools, Clemson, Florida State, the ones that I've mentioned, might be willing to pay that if then annually they're going to be pulling in more than $50 million per year. They'll be able to make it up much quicker once they join these one of these two new super conferences. So we'll see what the Big Ten and the SEC, now that they'll be adding new members, they'll be able to go back to their TV deals and the deals that they have right now. They'll be able to say, hey, rip this up. We want a new deal. We just added USC and UCLA. We want X amount more dollars for each school. Then you'll see if some of these schools will ask to join. Like for the Big Ten right now, I think they're at 16 teams. The next team that they're looking to add is Notre Dame. After that, maybe they they want to add Oregon and Stanford. Maybe Washington as well. Maybe they want to get to 20 teams. I mean, who knows when it comes to like 2024 when these teams are supposed to actually join if what the landscape will look like in terms of who else has moved. But wow. I mean, I'm I just can't stop thinking. I mean, you and then you think about it for USC and UCLA. You've got these guys that have been playing on the West Coast. They've been playing teams like Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, all up along Colorado. They've been playing all these teams up along the West Coast in the Western time zone, Pacific time zone. Now all of a sudden you're going to ask some of these, maybe the gym, or I'm sorry, the track and field, they're going to be playing, I mean, they're going to be having meets in the spring when it's there's still snow on the ground, whether it's Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, or even on the East Coast as well. You're going to be asking, you're going to be asking for that. You got volleyball, you got baseball. I mean, I don't know. Some of these Big Ten teams don't even have baseball teams. This is just going to be a massive, massive endeavor for the Big Ten to try and figure out this whole scheduling, especially with how far these teams are going to have to. I mean, the closest one to USC and UCLA, is it Nebraska? Is Nebraska the closest team to those two out here in 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 the Big Ten Conference? That's insane. Iowa, maybe? Am I missing one that might be closer? I don't think so. I mean, those are the closest teams to USC and UCLA. Incredible what what is going to have to try and be done. Because remember, it's it's not just football that we're talking about here. But with this move, USC, UCLA... Big Ten kind of plants itself as a part of the L.A. market as well, which is something that's really good for them in terms of they won't get left behind when all this starts to crumble or all this starts to turn into these two super conferences. It looks like Big Ten is going to be one of them. The SEC is definitely going to be one of them in the South. We'll see if the ACC can hang on. If it gets Notre Dame into its conference, maybe it can hang on. Maybe then it starts to add... Big 12 members, maybe it starts to add non-Power 5 school members as well. We'll see who can hang on. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what two super conferences does in terms of the other sports. When it comes to college basketball tournament time, you know, you got the Big Ten tournament, the SEC tournament. Boy, that is going to be a massive tournament before you even get to the March Madness tournament. I mean, can you think of if there's 
20 plus te- if there's 32 teams in one conference that's an insane that's an insane tournament before you even get to the March Madness that's its own bracket that's half a bracket right there for a for your conference tournament and then you got to go and play in the March Madness tournament there's going to be a lot more games added I feel like when it, when it comes to these other sports now when it comes to football this will almost surely force a change to the college football playoffs. We're almost certainly going to need to expand it to 12 teams. I mean, this is going to get messier before this all gets figured out, and that's not just college football. That's all of these sports. Volleyball, hockey, basketball, football. You got track and field. You got swimming. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even – there's so many different baseball tennis golf holy crap i mean this is insane what it what it could possibly be and like i said this is gonna get messier before it eventually all gets figured out i'm glad i'm not part of the headache that has to deal with the scheduling and figuring out how these these now west coast teams in in los angeles are gonna play on the east coast in new york and maryland this is going to be uh this is going to be a show for sure when it comes when this is all said and done. And even who knows when this all gets resolved, especially with, like I said, the ACC supposedly tied down until 2036. It's going to be very interesting. As an alumni of the Big Ten, I love it for them so that their conference doesn't get broken up. So you'll still get like your Ohio State versus Michigan. You'll still get, I mean, like right now, like we, who knows when we, after 2024, some of those rivalries in the Big 12, you're not going to get anymore. You're not going to get your Texas versus your Texas Tech or your Baylors versus Texas or whatever some of those big rivalries are in the Big 12. Those are going to be gone. Those those annual games are no longer going to be there. For the Big 10, you'll still get your Ohio State, Michigan. You'll get your Wisconsin, Minnesota. You'll get your Penn State versus, I don't know, is it Ohio State as their number? I mean, you'll get your Nebraska's versus, I don't know, Wisconsin, Northwestern, all of it. We'll still have Iowa versus Wisconsin. We'll still have all of those rivalries, those trophy games. You see those trophy games in the Big 12. A lot of those will be gone now that Texas and Oklahoma are no longer in their conference. So as a Big 10 fan, I like this move. Solidifies. They got the L.A. market, which is a big-time thing to have. Now we'll see if they continue to expand. Notre Dame is the next domino to fall in this case, whether it joins a conference as just its football team, whether you get the whole Notre Dame athletics as a part of your conference as well. We shall see. Like I said, one thing about this is, I don't know, it's it's hard to kind of piece together right now how this is all going to work. It's still two years away before any of this realignment even happens. But it's going to get messier even before 2024. It's going to get messier before it all gets figured out. It'll be really interesting to see once it's all said and done what it will look like. All right. Let's move on to my final thought then today on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. It involves Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Here it is. Could Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving end up just staying in Brooklyn? After all this trade requests, after all this is said and done, and the answer is yes. This is, I'm starting to think this is actually the most likely scenario. I mean, the asking price from the Nets may be too much for some of these teams, and it absolutely should be too much 
for the Brooklyn Nets to give up Kevin Durant. I mean, teams are going to be trying to build a super team with Kevin Durant by adding them to their team, by sending away possibly young, really good players, but then they just want Kevin Durant to pair with their current all-stars already, the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat, for example. They're not going to be trading away Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns. They're not going to be trading away Jimmy Butler. Yes, their team might improve slightly with Kevin Durant instead of Kev- instead of Devin Booker. But what they're looking to is ex- like they're not looking to just make a small jump. They're looking to be, hey, we're now title favorites by adding Kevin Durant to Devin Booker, not replacing Devin Booker with Kevin Durant. Same with the Miami Heat. They're looking to pair Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant. They're not looking to replace Jimmy Butler with Kevin Durant. The Nets, when they're calling these teams, they want Jimmy Butler. They want the Devin Booker. That's seemingly that's what they should ask for, and it's it's where the impasse is right now. We'll see if maybe there's a nudge or what happens to loosen that up for a trade to happen. And let's say that the Nets do find a trade that they are comfortable with making. They go to Durant. Let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's to the, the Portland Trailblazers, but he doesn't want to go there. Let's say he does. it's just him and Dame, absolutely no depth on the team. Does Kevin Durant say, you know what, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at me and Dame. Absolutely nobody left on the roster. Anthony Simmons is gone. Nurkic is gone. All of our Josh Hart is gone. All of our depth and bench is gone. Maybe I'm better off. My best chance to win is still here in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving on the team and Ben Simmons. (laughs) Cross your fingers that he plays next season as well. That could be the case also. Kevin Durant has no power and where he gets traded this offseason with the contract that he has right now because he still has four guaranteed years of playing with wherever he goes, whether that's in Brooklyn or the next team he goes to. He doesn't have a player option. I don't think he has a trade clause. Or, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, he doesn't have a no trade clause, but he doesn't have a player option after year four. It's four guaranteed years you're getting Kevin Durant a top five player. And so he's got his contract working against him, and possibly even Ben Simmons being on the team hurts him. Like I mentioned in the last episode, with Ben Simmons being on the team, they cannot trade for Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat. Either Ben Simmons would have to be traded away as well, or they just don't get Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat if a deal were to come to fruition there. So Durant has no power in where he gets traded to. Maybe he looks at it and says, hey, it's possible that Brooklyn is my best chance of winning anyway. I'm not saying if Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons are all playing next year that the Nets will be the favorites or even close, in my opinion, to being the favorites in the Eastern Conference, let alone to win the title. I mean, literally, we're in a time loop with these national media talking heads saying that if Durant stays, they are the East favorites. I mean, come on. We're in a time loop where every year, every year on paper, it looks great, but they won zero. (laughs) Count them out. Zero playoff games this past season. Zero playoff games. That's with Durant and Kyrie Irving. You're telling me adding Ben Simmons to that team who couldn't even get to the conference finals in Philly against the Atlanta Hawks when they made the conference finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Ben Simmons, who doesn't shoot threes, who's a mostly inside presence, was afraid to shoot the ball at one point, is going to add on 16 playoff wins to that team. Just Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is worth 16 playoff wins? I don't think so. 
consider them a more dangerous team? Absolutely. Absolutely. They can definitely, they would be a potential threat to make the Eastern Conference Finals. They are even a threat to make the Finals. Favorites? No chance. No chance to the favorites. With the Milwaukee Bucks and what the Boston Celtics just added this offseason, no chance. They are favorites. They are not favorites. Absolutely a more dangerous team, for sure. But I just wanted to get that out of the way. If Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn, hey, it might be his best chance of winning with some of these packages that Brooklyn is looking to get from the Phoenix Suns. If they won't budge, like, hey, you got to give us Devin Booker and a bunch of picks, and then also you have to give us Mikhail Bridges or whatnot if they need salary filler or whatever. If it's just Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, obviously I think his best better chance of winning is with Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. But Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, not the favorites to win the title. Let's not get in this time loop where we do this every offseason. Let's not do that. Absolutely more dangerous. I'm interested to see in what keeps coming out in terms of rumors for Durant. Right now the rumor is he's gone dark. He's not listening to or he's not taking phone calls from guys around the league trying to get him to come to their team or anything like that. I'm also getting the feeling that if Kevin Durant stays, Kyrie Irving is going to end up staying. It's been slow on the trade front. It feels like that, like for a top five player, but that's because these teams right now aren't willing to give up. I mean, they're willing to give up a lot. You're going to give, have to give up five first-round picks and then really good young players. They're not willing to give up as much as the Brooklyn Nets are asking for. It's going to be insane the amount of capital that you'd have to give up. The one that makes the most sense that I think the Brooklyn Nets could take is the New Orleans Pelicans. You get an all-star who's young in Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, excuse me. Brandon Ingram has also been compared numerous times to Kevin Durant. Hmm. You get Brandon Ingram. You get, I believe, is Herb Jones or Jackson Hayes, the center. You get, I mean, whoever else you can ask for. The only two untouch, the only untouchable is probably Zion Williamson. And if you're Brooklyn, that's okay. Zion Williamson, I mean, top five potential in the NBA, but at massive risk. You take Brandon Ingram, who has been an all-star. You take these other young pieces that they have on the team. You take their five, possibly six first-round picks. That's the one that makes the most sense. Phoenix with DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and maybe it's... Uh, Cameron Payne, the backup point guard, and five or six first-round picks. Sounds like that's not enough for the Brooklyn Nets as well. So, I mean, the, the Pelicans one is the most interesting to me in terms of what they have to offer because they have a ton, a ton of first-round picks. Also, I would love to see Oklahoma City Thunder. If you haven't watched any of the NBA Summer League with Chet Holmgren, his first game was absolutely amazing to watch. That was a ton of fun. Second game, obviously brought him back down to earth a little bit. You see some of his weaknesses, but Chet Holmgren is going to be a good player in the NBA. I would love to see Kevin Durant with, then you pick Kevin Durant, Chet Holmgren, and either Shy Gilgis Alexander or Kevin Durant, Chet Holmgren, and Josh Giddy. They're going to have to give up one of them. So, I mean, let's say that the Thunder offer like Shy Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, They've got like X number of other young guys on this team that they can they can offer. Then they have they can offer like eight first round picks if they wanted to. They have like nineteen in the next five years. They'll be fine. But that would be cool to see Kevin Durant back on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll see. 
what the rumors for Kevin Durant keep coming, it's going to be a lot. But right now, my sense is Brooklyn is probably where he ends up next season. And if Durant stays, I think Kyrie Irving stays. We'll see about the whole Ben Simmons thing. Once that all gets figured out, I don't know. I know he's having problems mentally because of what happened to him after he, after that Philadelphia Atlanta Hawks. Hopefully, mentally, he would be okay. But, I mean, if it's just psychologically afraid to shoot because you're a pro athlete and fans are booing you, I don't know. Hopefully, it's nothing deeper than that, but I don't know. So we'll see. But right now, for Kevin Durant, Brooklyn might be the most likely scenario where he just stays. And that's going to be a little bit awkward to start next season after this whole trade request. And, I mean, Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash have had their problems as well. We'll see how that all turns out. All right. Final, final thought then quickly here on this episode of the Final, Final Podcast. Colorado Avalanche are the Stanley Cup champions. I didn't even get to mention this. This has been like two weeks now. But congrats are in order to the Avalanche as they took down the back-to-back reigning NHL champion Tampa Bay Lightning in six games to win the Stanley Cup. I like this Colorado Avalanche team too. They're young. They're extremely fast. I mean, they have this good core of like eight players that are under 30 years old. The MVP of the finals for the Colorado Avalanche, I believe it's Kale McCour. I'm sure I butchered the last name, but it's not Maker. I think it's McCour. Kale Maker? Well, anyways, he's only 23 years old. Their captain and their leader on this team, Nathan McKinnon, one of the top three players In the NHL, he's only 26 years old as well. They have 10 unrestricted free agents that they have to sort through, though, to try and build, to try and put this team back together and to a championship team as they're looking to build their legacy. A lot of these guys, after beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, have been talking about starting their legacy. They've absolutely started their legacy. That's been, I think that was the quote from the MVP, Kale McCour, Kale Maker. Boy, I hope I'm saying it's one of those two. He's talking about we're looking to do what Tampa Bay did in terms of building a legacy. Tampa Bay is a back-to-back reigning NHL champ. They have their legacy with those two Stanley Cup trophies. Colorado has started their legacy. They're looking to build on it. They're wondering if this was the start of theirs. This is absolutely the start of your legacy, no question. The next hurdle is how long can you continue to build your legacy, possibly into a dynasty. Like I said, they have a lot of young, good core players under 30 years old on the team, but now they have 10 unrestricted free agents. How do you build this team back together? A lot of that is on the front office. You cannot start talking dynasty after one championship. I mean, Tampa Bay Lightning could still technically be at the start of their dynasty. With two championships, I mean, if they win three championships in four years, that's part of a dynasty. We're talking about Golden State's dynasty of, I mean, all the way back to 2015 to 2022 now. So what, that's eight years and they've won four titles. That's part of a dynasty. The Chicago Bulls winning six rings in eight years. It's not just you have to do it every year. You have to do it consistently for a long period of time. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs you could possibly talk about with the five rings that they have. LeBron James being to the NBA Finals for 10 straight years. I mean, come on. So this is definitely the start of their legacy, the Colorado Avalanche. How can they continue to build on it next season? They have a good start. I'm very interested to see what they do going into next year. All right, 
That is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Next episode, I will definitely be getting into fantasy football talk. I just started the message up with my fantasy football leagues in terms of getting the season started. We've got mock drafts. I've got mock drafts underway for sure. I can't tell you my personal strategy, but I'm going to tell you some of my favorite, uh, some of the favorite strategies that I've read about, some of the best players and where they can go. I love talking fantasy football. We'll definitely get into that next episode as well. MLB trade deadline is coming up with, along with the All-Star game. We'll see which teams need to improve and what are some of the big-name players that could be on the move as well. All right, that is all I have for you on this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, stay safe out there. And as always, you are listening to The Final Final.